All right, here we go. What's up, friends? Uh, I'm Henry. That's Lucas. I pointed the wrong way last time. You're this. You're one of these sides, but yeah. that, I'm Henry. That's Lucas. And I'll just say this: I believe in transparency in all aspects of my life, whether it's this podcast, the show, um, anything. I believe in transparency. And so, right off the bat, you and I both picked Oliveira to win the main event at UFC 280 this past weekend, and we were wrong. Yeah, we were dead wrong, dead wrong. And I thought that if Islam Makhachev were to pull off the victory, I thought that it would be in the later rounds. I didn't think it would be that quick. I don't think many of us saw a second round submission. And the first round was actually kind of close. And it was pretty interesting because I told you that there was a good chance Islam was going to go out there and take Charles down with ease in the first round. And I said that Charles Oliveira is going to be prepared for the ground game. And it looked like he was. But what stood out was the striking proficiency of Islam Makhachev, how good he was with the hands, um, how he's able to find openings on the feet. And Charles Oliveira looked a little scared of the takedown, if I may say. And honestly, I it was the striking that Islam Makhachev got the better of Charles Oliveira. And I don't think anyone that was picking Charles could see that coming, including myself. And I got to give Islam Makhachev all the respect because he really impressed me with his striking. I really thought that there was no way that he was going to have his way with Charles on the feet. This fight was competitive on the ground. It was in the striking where Charles lost. So I was bummed out to see it, but I got to give Islam Makhachev all the respect. He's the best lightweight in the world. He's much better than I thought. I'll just say that. Yeah. And the two things we spoke about last week, like the two big questions. One, how is Islam on the feet? Because we hadn't really seen him tested yet on the feet. And two, how quickly will the fight go to the ground, if at all? Yeah. You know, we kind of knew it was going to end up there eventually. But what does this mean? Like, like what happens now? Because I feel like there's this dark cloud almost over MMA that like we have another okay. Dagestani rule in the lightweight yeah. division and they're talking about Volk. But to me, it's like there has to be there has to be some sort of resurgence here for, for Oliveira. I don't think his title days are done necessarily. Right. No, I, I don't think so either. And, you know, right when this fight ended, I thought, man, Oliveira is never going to beat a guy like Islam Makhachev. But, you know, thinking about it now, these guys could potentially fight a few more times. And although I would favor Islam next time, I still wouldn't count Charles Oliveira out. He's just so dangerous. He has so many ways to win a fight. If he comes in with a different game plan, we may see a different outcome. But, man, I'd be lying if I said I, I there is that cloud over the division. There's a little bit of a dark cloud because, you know, before, you know, you had Volkanovski waiting in the wings for this next lightweight title and you thought things were about to get interesting. But with the way that Islam Makhachev handled Charles Oliveira, like we already knew he was going to be the tougher matchup for Volkanovski. But now seeing them in the cage, uh, how dominant Islam's performance was paired with how much bigger he is. I mean, those two stood next to each other. This is Volkanovski who's blown up and this is Islam Makhachev a day after a weight cut. And he looks massive compared to Volkanovski. Volkanovski's good. He's probably a better striker than Oliveira. But, man, I don't see how he wins. And that's why, to me, this division just lost some interest because I could see a, a long title reign, and I don't see many people challenging him. I think Benil Dariush would be a better challenge for Islam. I think he looked fantastic in his fight against Mateus Gamrot. But there is a cloud over the division because I think we know that 
no one's going to replace Islam anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. And I hate saying that because, you know, after the fight, you know, that cool moment where he took the belt mm-hmm. off, gave it to Habib and was talking yeah. about the father and everything. I thought that was such a special moment. So I, I hate this idea that there's now a dark cloud over the lightweight division, but this, it's still how I feel about it because I yeah. don't want to see another Dagestani rule of, you know, just the crotch sniffing and the, these takedowns over and over and over. Like, to me, it's just not fun. It's not fun for a lot of fans. But you said it. Dariush may have been the forgotten unsung hero of the lightweight division. And he came out with a major, like, y'all must have forgot type moment. In my yeah. opinion, he's now next in line, or at least the guy who poses now the biggest fight to Islam. Am I crazy for thinking that? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, um, Benil Dariush beat a, a guy in Mateus Gamrot who many people thought was going to be fighting for a title relatively soon. And a lot of people were saying that Mateus Gamrot was the guy who was at, at leading the pack of the new guard and he was going to be one of these guys that could challenge Islam Makhshev or really give Charles Oliveira a run for his money. And Benil Dariush was counted out. I mean, a lot of people didn't really give him his due, you know, and he went out and proved a lot of people wrong. He lost the first round, but really schooled Mateus Gamrot in the second and third, dropped him. I, I knew that he has some crazy power and he, he is a little wild on the feet, but he looked a lot more technical this time. And man, his takedown defense, his grappling is pretty damn strong. I mean, good luck taking him down. So that's that's the fight that I would like to see more than Volkanovski because, I mean, as much as I'm a fan of Alexander Volkanovski, as much as I'd like him to win that fight, I, I don't see him winning. I just think he, there's too much of a size disadvantage and if Islam Makhachev takes him down, it's not it's it's probably the end of the fight because Alexander Volkanovsky hasn't fought anyone that's really went out there trying to take him down for five rounds and certainly hasn't fought anyone the size of Islam Makhachev. I'd much rather see Benil Dariush in a title shot. But, you know, it is what it is. A lot of people were saying he should fight Charles. I'd like to see Charles fight Max Holloway in Brazil. <laughs> but that's also a good fight. Uh, Benil Dariush and Charles in Brazil if Benil wants to turn around that quickly. That, that's the thing. So if I could play matchmaker for a second, like I, to me, I, I'm actually with you on this one. I don't think Volkanovsky uh, Islam drives the needle as much as other fights you could probably make. If it were up to me, I would run it back, Charles and Islam, but I understand that's probably not going to happen. So I think the reality is you're going to have Islam, Volk, Oliveira, Dariush, and then you go from there. If the winners duke it out after that, is that a reasonable path from here? Oh, I think so. I think so. I think uh, Volkanovski should definitely get the title shot. I mean, who has who, who has earned that title shot more than him? I mean, he's defended his belt four times, and he's a dominant champion. He's looked rather unbeatable as of late. And if he wants to move up, they should allow him to move up. I think that that fight's going to happen relatively soon in Australia. I think that'll be February. So. Uh, you know, Benil Dariush doesn't have to wait that long anyway. And if he wants to fight Charles, I think he, he I don't know if I'm Benil Dariush, he has the same manager as Islam Makhachev, Ali Abdelaziz. If I'm Benil Dariush, I'm talking to my manager about, you know, trying to save my spot next in line. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't fight Charles. I, if I'm him, I wouldn't fight Charles. I'd say, listen, I've earned it. I don't think Charles Oliveira is going to get another title shot with just one win, I think he might have to get two. And just that's just based on how dominant the fight was, which is mm-hmm. why I say 
you know, I know Charles is going to fight in Brazil. There's no getting in the way of him fighting in Brazil. He wants to make a quick turnaround. He wants to redeem himself. I'd love to see him fight being the old Darius, but the, if that doesn't happen, I think the Max Holloway fight is perfect. Now, if Max doesn't want that fight, who else is going to step in? You know, maybe a Fiziev. Has he earned yeah. a, a, a Charles Oliveira fight? I mean, that's a tough fight for Charles. Rafael yeah. Fiziev. How but, about this? Is it fair to say that Darius Oliveira is just an incredibly bad option for both guys? Man, I, I think it's a tough fight for Charles. Because mm-hmm. after watching what we just saw with Islam Makhachev, and I know Charles Oliveira is really good, but man, when he's up against a guy who has really good grappling, who has strong takedowns, he seems to be a little gun shy on the feet. And he seems mm-hmm. to second guess himself on the feet and he leaves himself open. So if he goes out there and has a similar game plan with Benil Dariush, Benil could do exactly what Islam did, knock him down, jump on him and submit him. But I think that Charles Oliveira is probably just as dangerous as Benil Darius. So I think that that's a good fight, but I don't like it for Benil. I just think, you know, you're, you're taking such a big risk. You've arguably already earned yourself a title shot. Why not just wait out? You have the same manager as Islam. There could be an agreement. Islam Makhachev, I guarantee you would rather fight Benil. I mean, mm-hmm. one thing you have to give respect to when it comes to these Dagestani champions like Habib Islam is I, I get the feeling that they're going to fight the guy who has really earned it rather yeah. than the big money fight and all that. So, yeah. and if you're, and if you're going by that logic, then to me, there's no other person in the lightweight division who deserves it more than Benil Dariush at the yeah. moment. Yeah, I would, I would say so. I would say so. You know, I, again, I'd love to see Charles bounce back with a big fight. I, you know, it'd be cool if Connor came back, but Dana White just said something about Connor not being able to come back until he's in the USADA testing pool yeah. for six months. Right. So and as I think the perfect fight for him would be a Max Holloway. I think that'd be ideal. That'd be a big fight in Brazil. That'd be a big fight. You know, maybe Burns and Masvidal on the card as well. Yeah. Huge fight. That Brazil card needs some work because I don't, I, right now they only got one title fight on it. Charles Oliveira is definitely going to jump on it. I think mm-hmm. he should, he should call for someone like Max for sure. I think that's a great thought, but let's move on here to uh, one that, you know, I was right on and you were wrong on. Yeah. And that's uh, the controversial decision of the weekend. And that was Sean O'Malley taking down Sean O'Malley, taking down Peter Yan uh, in, in probably the most controversial split decision I, I've ever seen in my life. Um, my stance is O'Malley looked good. He did not win the fight. Um, and I, I, I think you and I were texting about this, but I agree wholeheartedly that had Sean lost, people would have had more respect for him because of his performance and because of how much toughness he showed. But now because he won, it's almost like this gives UFC fans more reason to hate a guy they already love picking on. Yeah. Is that accurate? I think it is. It is very unfortunate that Sean O'Malley was able to go out there and prove a lot of people wrong. And the decision is just what made people turn on him. I mean, before he got his hand raised, the entire MMA world had a lot of respect for Sean O'Malley. A lot of us were impressed. I thought Piotr Yan would go out there and school him in the third round and destroy him in the second round. And I was wrong. I mean, Sean O'Malley arguably won that third round and he hurt Peter Yan, busted his face open with a big knee in that third round. Most people 
in that situation would fall back, they would fail, they would will. And Sean O'Malley showed his grit, he showed his toughness, he's an absolute gamer, and he's a lot better than I thought. I mean, man, going into this, I looked at his fight with Pedro Munoz, and I thought for sure, he's not going to be able to just tee off on Piotr Jan. And he had his moments where he was doing just that. He was teeing off on Piotr Jan, he was landing good shots, he was the busier guy in the stand-up, but ultimately, the judges got this one wrong. I mean, Peter Yan edged it out. I think he won the first round. He definitely won the second round. And the third one is up for grabs. It's up for debate. But the judges screwed over Yan. And again, instead of people singing O'Malley's praise, um, instead they're just rubbing salt in his wounds. And ha, no one's giving him respect. No one's giving him the credit he deserves. Well, there are some. I mean, listen, I think it's not O'Malley's fault that he got his hand raised when he wasn't supposed to. I, I give him the respect, but you have so many fickle MMA fans that are obnoxious, that are going to tear him down and hate on him. I just think it's insane. You know, I would never hate on someone who, who got his hand raised uh, in, in, a, in a robbery, unless it was <laughs> maybe Aljamain Sterling coming out. Yeah. Of the team, but, but, you know, I, it's, it's, it's sad. I mean, think about it. This guy is just went through a war just proved a lot of doubters wrong. And instead of getting respect, like people were clowning him, saying you didn't win and hating on his social media. It's, it's, it's not good, man. I mean, he hasn't really blown up either, but fuck, yeah. I, I got to respect Sean O'Malley. He looked a lot better than I thought he was going to look. Yeah, it's, it was one of those fights for me. I don't know about you. Like I said, full transparency, but I bet on Sean O'Malley to win this fight. And normally when I bet on a fighter and it goes to a decision, I'm like in my head convincing myself like, oh yeah, he did enough. He won. I was at the point where this one, I was like, I was just like, shit, O'Malley probably lost all three of those rounds. That yeah. was my take going into the, into the, when we were waiting for the decision, I thought for sure he lost all three rounds. I was sh absolutely shocked by that result, but I will say this. I've never seen Peter Jan panic wrestle. And I've never seen anyone have that much success on the feet against him. Yeah, I, I think he proved that he's probably the best striker in the division. I mean, sure, mm -hmm. if that goes five rounds, I think Peter Jan may have just finished him, but it wasn't. It was a three-rounder, and from what we saw, Sean O'Malley was the better striker. Peter Jan, in my opinion, edged it out or should have edged it out with his takedowns, with his wrestling. You know, in the first round, he picked O'Malley up and slammed him. I mean, that's got to count for some damage. And he had, you know, some, some good ground and pound, you know, it was such a close fight. It was a close fight, but it should have went Piotr Jan's way. And I haven't seen the MMA community agree on a decision like this in a long time. And most people are saying that he lost. And I think yeah. it's pretty clear, but Sean O'Malley is one of the best fighters at bantamweight. He is probably the best striker at bantamweight. And he just proved that he can hang with the best in the world. He proved that he's way tougher than most people thought. And I would love to see Sean O'Malley's next fight. And I, right now, am convinced that he could become a champion. Before this fight, I always said to myself, I don't think he has what it takes. I don't think he's as dedicated. I don't think he's tough enough. After seeing his fight with Piotr Jan and how close it was, he could become a champion. I mean, his striking is so good. And he just outstruck one of the best strikers in the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, if he gets in there with, with some, other, some of these other guys, he's going to school them. I think he beats a Cheeto Vera. I think he beats... Um, a, a Corey Sanhagen. I think his toughest fight is Aljamain Sterling, which is why I was going to get to this, but I think Sean O'Malley should fight Marlon Vera. I think that is a bigger fight than his fight with Aljo. 
I just think it is based on their history, based on the whole undefeated nonsense. I mean, I'd love to see that. And I'd love to see Aljamain Sterling take some time off and uh, maybe fight Henry Cejudo if he comes back. But I doubt Henry is going to come back. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, but I, I've said it once. I'll say it before. I wanna, I'm going to look into the camera when I say this. Marlon Cheeto Vera is the most underrated and one of the most disrespected fighters in the UFC. I never thought that guy got enough credit for how tough he is. I thought the O'Malley stuff, you know, too many MMA fans took the O'Malley side on that side of things. Whereas I thought Cheeto went in there with a game plan and won a fight and has done nothing but win ever since. If it's up to me, I would give Cheeto Vera the next title shot against Aljo. I'm, I'm not, I'm not so sure I wouldn't bet on Cheeto to take down Aljo. I don't, I don't mind that. Like, I think that Cheeto Vera could knock out Aljamain Sterling. I really do. I think he could, if Aljamain Sterling doesn't submit him early, you know, anyone in a five-rounder with Cheeto Vera is in danger. And yeah. I, I think that that would be a great match. I mean, personally, I'd love to see it. Um, and maybe O'Malley can fight the winner of that, or maybe O'Malley can fight a Corey Sanhagen. That's a yeah. good matchup. And Peter Yan, I think, you know, maybe give him a – what happens to Peter Yan? What do you think is best for him? That's the, that's the thing. Uh, well, Murad, I know what's... I mean, Rob Devalashvili's taken up a space in the division. He'll never fight Aljamain. That's got to suck. I'm just going to mention that. Your boys with Aljamain Sterling, he's always said that he'll step aside from Rob, but as he continues to defend his belt, he's not going anywhere. You'd be an idiot to step away from those championship fights. And mm-hmm. this guy should just go to another organization or drop down to 125 because... His friend Aljamain Sterling is kind of fucking him over. I'm not going to lie. But, hey, I would, you know, if I was in Aljo's position, I'd be defending my belt over and over again. I wouldn't just step aside and stop yeah. making big bucks. So, yeah, I, I think Peter Yan and Marab might fight. I agree. Peter Yan, Marab, Cheeto, O'Malley. And then if Cejudo wants to come back and if he, you know, yeah. if they can somehow justify that, I mean – I just you don't know, think MMA fans really care about Henry Cejudo at this point. I mean, listen, I respect I him. He was, he was one of the greats for sure. But he's been out of the game for so long. I, I wouldn't even favor him to beat a um, Aljamain Sterling who's in his prime. You know, maybe a few years ago it would be a different story. But personally, and I just he's not that big of a star. I, I don't really care if I see Henry Cejudo fight again. I really don't. Yeah. And then to me, the only thing that is certain about this division right now is that the worst possible thing for O'Malley next would be a Peter Yan rematch, because that's one that I think would settle the score. Yeah, I, I mean, again, man, I think that's true, but I almost don't mind an O'Malley pick in that rematch. I mean, O'Malley's getting better. Peter Yan's still young. He's getting better. But if it's yeah. five rounds, I'd have to lean towards Peter Yan. If it's yeah. another three rounder, if, if somehow he can pull that off, I, I, it's a close one. You know, what I saw in there, O'Malley looked like he was in danger a few times, but so did Piotr Jan. I think that's a fight that we're going to see down the line anyway, because Piotr Jan's not going anywhere. He'll be at the top of that division for a while. And so will Sean O'Malley. I think it's inevitable that those guys are going to fight, whether in a title fight or a five round main event down the line. I think O'Malley, he's going to take time off. There's no way he wants to get into a fight anytime soon. So I think he should definitely maybe just wait out and see what happens with uh, the next title shot. Maybe the UFC is going to offer him a title shot. Mm-hmm. To, to me, it's just, I look at Peter Jan's career now 
And I kind of describe it as just like a beautiful mess. Like if you look at where this guy was two years ago, if he doesn't throw that illegal knee versus Aljo, he wins that fight. He never has to rematch Aljo, at least not in the near future. Yeah. And who knows how many defenses he gets after that. Instead, you went from that silly illegal knee to having to sit around, wait, lose the rematch, and now lose to the pink poodle who you call the whore. Man, this is might be the most talented guy in the UFC whose career is just on a spiral right now. And I feel I, I almost feel bad for the guy because I think he truly is one of the killers in the division. And it just seems like shit just isn't going his way right now. No, it's not. I, and you, you nailed it, man. I mean, it, he's probably the most talented guy whose career is going downhill. It's not like he's getting knocked out with lucky punches. Like he's having these really close fights, but he's edging them out in the minds of a lot of people. Um, even though I think that Aljamain beat him in, a, in the rematch, you're right. I mean, he should have defended the first time against Aljamain Sterling. That's, if that knee doesn't happen, he wins that fight. So, yeah. man, it's just unfortunate because the whole world thinks that he won this fight, but his career is mm -hmm. taking a hit. And he's still young. Fortunately, he's still young. But he does get hit in his fights. And that's the thing. Like, is he going to come back with more frustration in his next one? And will that be his downfall? I think that Piotr Jan can beat just about anyone, but the Spanimweight division is so stacked. I mean, you know it's stacked when Piotr Jan is having a close fight with Sean O'Malley. That just proves how good Sean O'Malley is. I love to see Piotr Jan work his way back up. He's one of my favorite fighters. If you're an MMA fan, you got to be a fan of Piotr Jan's style. I mean, he's just so entertaining. He's so well-rounded. He fights with such tenacity, and I really hope he can bounce back from this one. It would be a shame if, he, if he's not able to because – Man, that'd be one of the unluckiest careers ever. I'm with you 100. That would, he would that would go down as the ultimate like what if, like yeah. what if he never threw that illegal knee? What happens to like the, the career trajectory of Peter Yan? But before we get out of here, we'll end on this. We could we could start doing this after uh, after every every big card. But they always hand out fight of the night bonuses. I like to hand out my own bonuses as well, which I think are worth a lot. Um, so I'll, I'll the, with the inaugural fight of the night bonus from Henry, uh, the very first one goes to Benil Dariush. All right. Benil Dariush after his fight. And I love freedom of expression. I'm a firm believer in the first amendment. Benil Dariush sat up there and gave a speech trying to convert the entire Etihad arena to Christianity. And that made him the biggest underdog of the night trying to do that. Props to Benil Dariush. I love that guy. I love his messaging. And I thought that was a hilarious yet awesome moment. Number two, fight of the night bonus goes to Hamzat, who is now solidifying himself as one of the all-time assholes in the UFC. We <laughs> talked about it before, but what a cool moment when Habib, uh, or excuse me, when Islam gave the belt to Habib and they're having the cool moment about, yeah. about Habib's father. Uh, such a cool moment. Meanwhile, Hamzat's in the crowd starting a fight with Habib's people. Classic. And number three, fight of the night bonus has to go to the judges for O'Malley versus Jan because they ended up being the biggest talking point of the entire weekend, for better or for worse. Uh, and, you know, hats off to those guys because yeah. whether they meant to or not, they they absolutely stole the show. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, man, I, I just got to comment on the Benil Darius thing. It is kind of hilarious. I bet a lot of those people think, were thinking, you know, he was going to shout out Allah, you know, because he's from my friend. <laughs> And he gets on the mic and just starts, you know, singing like a, like a pastor from your local <laughs> church. 
Protestant church or whatever. But yeah, it's crazy, man. Benil Dariush is, you know, I, a lot of people were probably shocked in that room. You know, people that didn't know he was Christian. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Um, I thought it yeah, was I, awesome. I think, I think another fight of the night would be, you know, Bilal Muhammad getting his first like finish. Like I, I'm sure he's gotten a finish here and there in his career, but the guy's known for not getting finishes. People clown him and call him remember the decision instead of remember the name. And he got a finish over Sean Brady, which is just absolutely insane. I give him all the respect. That was kind of a sloppy fight, but I was entertaining nonetheless. And, you know, the prelims were a little rough. I mean, some of those prelims were dry. They were rough. And uh, Sean, I mean, Sean Brady and Bilal Muhammad, if those are the guys to, to make things interesting, then you know that something's not right. So I, I really love that fight. And then, uh, Hasbula, you know, I, I, I honestly like Hasbula a lot, man. A lot of people are saying they're getting tired of him, but I've seen so much Hasbula content recently and, uh, man, he's, he's hilarious. I, I, I like Hasbula. I think it was brilliant for the UFC to keep him around. I don't know if they're only going to use him at these, um, Abu Dhabi cards or whether they'll be flying him over to the apex, you know, this weekend for Qatar and Emmett, but yeah, Hasbula is, I thought, I thought he was a good pickup for the UFC. He's a pretty funny guy, you know. I agree. I think Hasbula has very quietly become one of the best marketing decisions the the UFC has made in a long time. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And yeah, man, I think that overall this was a pretty good card. It was I was bummed out right after watching it. But when I sit back and reflect, there were some good fights and some big moments. So I I can't wait to see all of these guys fight again. Uh, Cater and Allen are fighting again this weekend. That'll be a great fight. So good things to come. Exactly. The, I think the one thing we all want, though, no more UFC fights in the daytime. I couldn't get, like, intimate. I couldn't, like, get in my zone when it, yeah. it was too bright out. Yeah. It just – that something feels off about it, man. Like, again, it's more intimate when it's dark. It's just you and the yeah. TV or you and the computer. And it just – you feel like something special is going on and, and in the daytime, it just feels like you're watching a YouTube video. It's strange. Yeah, yeah. exactly. All right. I think I speak for you and all MMA fans when, when I say that, so I'm glad we're on the same page, but Luke it's always a pleasure, brother. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll recap more soon and have more predictions soon. Thank you. I appreciate it.